I'm reviewing here! What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here, a podcast where I, Matthew Bussey, watches and reviews Sight and Sound's top greatest movies of all time. I have a lot of medical issues, which I don't want to get into right now, but yeah, it's been a rough few weeks. Well, I told you about the massage incident. Uh, I had to get fillings in this week in my teeth. Uh, it was a little awkward. Well, not even awkward. It was just weird. I went to the dentist, and my dentist was like, my mouth was wide open, and he's like, uh, are, are you vegan or vegetarian? And I was like, ah, because, you know, my mouth was open. And then he went, okay, I figured because uh, you have a piece of carrot jammed into your teeth. Okay. And then the next day he said the exact same thing. I was like, okay, I get it. I like carrots. Okay. I'm a rabbit. I love carrots. I love them. I love them. I love them. I will eat them raw. Okay. I will nibble on them. Anyway, how's everybody else doing? Good. I have to, um, really get back in the groove of of things with with this podcast. I have not re- uh, recorded a, an episode in a full week. 7 days. Yeah. Eh, it's just been a busy week. You know, this was uh, I'm recording this the same week as the holiday of Purim, which I think I've probably already talked about, but yeah, that was a lot. Guys, aging sucks. Why does aging suck? Well, you get white hair and stuff, but no, aging sucks because you can't drink as much. It's so crappy. Remember the olden days when, you know, like, you could drink and you could kind of, I mean, you couldn't hold it, but the next day you wouldn't feel good, but, you know, you would kind of get over it pretty quickly. Yeah, doesn't happen anymore. Doesn't, for me at least. I, you give me like one sh- shot or whatever, and I feel like the next day I feel like I've been hit by a car. Then I've stood up and then walked onto a train track by accident, and then the trains hit me. And then I walk back onto the street again, and then a bus hits me. Yeah, that's kind of like how my brain is the day after I um, drink nowadays. It's really annoying. I'm also a little, if you can tell in my voice and my my energy right now is a little uh, lax. Rough night. No, it wasn't a rough night. It was just, you know, a night out. Night out, you know. But um, we're entitled to have that. You know, getting old is uh, important, definitely. But, yeah, I'm reviewing, or, well, <laughs> I am reviewing here on this podcast episode. This podcast episode, though, I'm very, uh... I'm stoked to talk about this next movie. This next movie is by a director named David Cronenberg. I love that name. That and Carmichael. Um, Okay. Yeah, Cronenberg, if you don't know David Cronenberg, I I say this in the most polite way possible. He's he's freaky. Freaky. He is effed up. Like, his movies are... The movie I'm reviewing today, I I had seen it before when I was a kid and I did not remember a lot of it. But um, yeah, I I, like just exactly. Yeah, that's my reaction. No words. No words. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to be reviewing Videodrome. Why would anybody watch a scum show like Videodrome? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Max Wren is a victim. 
I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since... What? Since I first saw Videodrome. His brain is already receiving video images. I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination to the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Please, come to me now. Come to Nikki. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Videodrome. Videodrome. Starring Deborah Harry and James Woods. A shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners. Coming soon to a theater near you from Universal Pictures. Woof. Am I right? Woof. W-O-O-F. Woof. I mean, <laughs> you hear that trailer and that sounds like a ridiculous, like, B-rated horror movie, you know? And, and when Videodrome came out, it, obviously so, it did not do well. Um, it got decent reviews from critics, but, you know, uh, a lot of, it did not make a lot of money at the box office. And and that's the, the unusual thing, um... That occurs a lot uh, in film history. There are so many classic movies that when they first came out, everybody was like, no. And then all these years later, the same people are like, oh, uh, sorry, never mind. Uh, I was wrong. You know, like they always do that. They do that a lot. And uh, Videodrome is like a prime example of that. Because, yeah, this 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 movie, like... I've seen a lot of screwed up, weird movies in my time. I've seen The Human Centipede People. I've seen The Human Centipede Part 2. Oh, oh my God. I mean, like, people are messed up. But you know what? Cronenberg is not a messed up guy. He is a true visionary. And uh, Videodrome is just one of his, I think, you know, a lot of people consider it to be his most famous movie. Uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's not going to be for everyone, though. It, it's, uh, you know, it, it's called a horror movie, but that term can be a little uh, misused because, you know, sometimes people think horror and they think, oh, it's going to be scary. Videodrome isn't scary. You're not going to like, I mean, if you're incredibly sensitive to like blood, then okay, yes, it will be scary. But it's not a boo, I gotcha kind of movie. You know, it's... um. It has a lot of horror elements. There are a lot of Cronenberg movies that have that. And let me just also give you a little um, brief biography about David Cronenberg. So he's still alive. Um, he, the majority, he, he makes a kind of a variety of movies, but you know, his main genre I'd say is body horror movies where like the, your body becomes infected with something and your body literally comes apart or it, it, it's it's similar to that you know there was um 
Oh, God, there was this great program. I think it, uh, Bravo showed it, 100 Scariest Movie Moments. And I remember Guillermo del Toro said something so good about David Cronenberg. He said, Cronenberg is a master of organic horror. He taps into a very common fear, which is the fear of human decay. No, no. Oh, I screwed that up. Fear of decay of the flesh. That's okay. Close enough. That could not be more true. Um, Cronenberg movies. I think that the ones that non-movie fans or people who don't know a lot about movies, you know, the one movie that I think they would recognize the most by him, the horror movie that is, is The Fly. The Fly with Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. Oh, she's, I love Gina Davis in that movie. Uh, that was, you know, an excellent example. That was like a blockbuster too. I mean, that, you know, is so messed up. And, and I love the movie so much because it's not campy. Like Cronenberg takes a ridiculous plot a man turning into a, a man's DNA getting combined with that of a fly? What? I mean, come on. That sounds ridiculous. Oh, no. He makes the fly terrifying because that is all so... If that were to happen, that's how realistic it is, you know? He taps into a really real horror in his movies, which sounds crazy. But, you know, you watch his movies, though, and you're like, geez, you know, like... This is a little campy, but kind of realistic in a little way. So he, he's done a lot of those movies. He did a movie called Scanners. Uh, he did a movie called The Brood. I had to watch that in film school. The Brood, really quickly, I haven't seen it in a while. The Brood is a uh, Canadian movie. Cronenberg's Canadian, too. So this is a Canadian movie. It's a cult classic about a woman and her ex-husband and the woman is getting really mad and she has horrible horrible rage inside her and she basically ends up giving birth to these little like goblin munchkin people that are like and they kill people literally they all look the same they're all like twins and they kill people literally like 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 rabid people animals and these babies are meant to be representations of her rage Say what? Yeah. I mean, what? Who thinks up of that? David Cronenberg does. And then there's this really gross scene where she gives birth and she licks the fetus, kind of like the way like a dog or a cat licks, you know, the fetus when, you know, they have a baby or a, a puppy or a cub or a, a kitty. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, some humans do that. Some humans eat their placenta. Okay. Okay. I didn't mean to say that. I'm sorry. It slipped out. Word vomit. Yeah, but you know, the the brood is, is a great classic. Uh that's an example that he does. He recently uh had another movie come out last year because he actually hadn't really done a body horror movie in a while. But last year, you may have heard of it. It's called Crimes of the Future. It stars Vigo Mortensen, Lea Sedou, my future wife, Lea Sedou. Oh guys, she's so beautiful. And Kristen Stewart. Um, this is a movie about get this. Okay, it's about a duo. It's set in the future. It's about a duo who uh, performs surgery to live audiences, like actual surgery, like yee, you know, like uh, the little, um, you know, like turkey baster and like the the like spatula, you know, all the the tools. I'm not a doctor. I don't know the tools, but you know, they they do that for people. And it also, you know, takes place in the society where like. People can't feel pain anymore, and they get I, – I didn't really understand it, to be honest. They get, like, aroused by, like, having surgery done on them. 
So it's like Viggo Mortensen and Lea Seydoux, like, butt naked, like, in a bed. It's like a very erotic moment, and they're, like, just looking at each other, and they're like, ooh, ah. And then it, like, there's this crazy machine, like, and it's, like, breaking open their bodies, and, like, oh my, it's just, it's nuts. It's nuts. Uh, I'm going to get into the movie in a sec, I know, but I just have to talk about Cronenberg, because he is, um, I don't know if there are any other Cronenberg movies on this list, but he, he's like a one-of-a-kind director. His son, uh, Brandon Cronenberg, is now um, equally, like, and again, I say this politely, a, a freak. Uh, he also makes incredibly out there, weird sci-fi horror movies. He did a movie called Possessor. I just spat into the mic, I'm sorry. Uh, Possessor uh, was released unrated because it originally got an NC-17, I think. And unfortunately, it came out right during COVID, so it just went right to streaming, which is a shame. Uh, I think it's still on Hulu. I dare you to watch it. And recently, he had a movie called Infinity Pool that came out with Mia Goth and uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Uh, it also got an NC-17, and he had to change it to an R. Did not get to see that movie. I'm really mad. I should have seen that. But yeah, he's like his dad. Um, he really is. Cronenberg also, though, you know, he, this is the interesting thing about him. He doesn't just do body horror movies. He also does, like, serious dramas. He did a movie called A Dangerous Method with Michael Fassbender, uh, all about, uh, Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung. Jung? Is that how you say, say his name? Like, totally different kind of movie. He did, uh... He also does, like, really violent, kind of like gangster movies. A History of Violence. Oh, so good. Eastern Promises. If you ever want to watch a movie, if you ever, if you ever, if you like Viggo Mortensen and you want to watch him kill people while naked in incredibly brutal ways, then, yeah, Eastern Promises. I think he got an Oscar nomination for that. Great movie, but Christ, violent. I watched that with my mom, too. It was, yeah. Yeah. So that's Cronenberg for you. Okay, okay. Now let's get into the movie Videodrome. Yeah, Videodrome, like I said at the beginning, I first saw this many years back, uh, back when Netflix, when you used to get DVDs mailed to you. Uh, and it was just a movie. I'd heard about it. I'd seen a clip from it. And I was like, oh my God, that's right up my alley. I have to see this movie. Uh, I, di I did not remember any of it though, and I did not know actually that this movie has, has like really all these years later kind of been considered as Cronenberg's best movie ever. Uh, this is my, this was my second time watching it and damn, it's a movie that I think you have to see twice. You first, and this, there are a lot of movies like this. The first time you watch it, you're not going to get it. Watch it for the visuals. Watch it for the imagery. Uh, it's disturbing imagery, no doubt, but watch it for that. And then the second time, watch it and really try to understand what Cronenberg is trying to say about the body and and society and consumerism and torture porn and torture and sex and more sex and sadomasochism, you know, like the second time you really have to dig deep into, into this. When I, when I watched this the second time, I, I still had trouble understanding it. So when I explain it, I'm going to, um, do my best to really not mess it up. And if you're a diehard Videodrome fan and I get something wrong, it's nothing personal. I swear to God, it's nothing personal at all. So, uh, this is a movie, uh, it starts, also, this was released by Universal Pictures. You gotta remember, too, this came out in 1983. 
Universal Pictures, a huge studio, releasing a movie this crazy and original and out there and bizarre and like WTF, WTF, WTF. It's no doubt that it did not. It was a box office bomb. Uh, you know, it, it's again though. I like when studios do that. The movie Mother, Mother with Jennifer Lawrence. Like I remember that tanked, but um, Paramount Pictures released it. Oh, Mother, so good. I loved it. It's very hit or miss, but I loved it. James Wood stars in Videodrome. He plays uh he plays this guy named Max Wren. Max is a bit of a bigot. He is like <sighs> I also don't like James Woods, so you know, I felt like there wasn't a lot of acting required. But anyway, I'm not gonna go there. Nope. Artist and actor. Yeah, artist and man. I'm gonna separate them. I'm not gonna talk about James Woods. We're gonna talk about the uh character that he plays. He is a great actor and he is uh very good in this movie. So yeah, he's a bigot. He, um, you know, he's that type of guy that like, if you ever went to a college party with, he would be the one like groping women and doing stuff like that. He's the president of Civic TV. Now Civic TV is a television station in Toronto. And what does it specialize in? Crazy, dark, weird content, uh, like porn like BDSM, like snuff movies, like a movie that you watch and you're like, okay, what the hell? Why is that guy spanking that woman? And why is she like moaning? And why is she naked? And what's going... So he, there's a, yeah, he runs a station all about that. And it's like controversial and um, no one, he gets, you know, into uh, some heat for it. You know, early on in the movie, he goes on TV to talk about his uh you know station and there's a woman there uh she's a radio host her name is nikki brand she's played by uh debbie harry who everyone like i did not recognize her uh blondie was oh she was the head of blondie the band what's blondie i don't know any of their songs i probably do if you put the song on but um, anyway, you know, like there's a scene in the beginning though, and she does play a big role in this. He goes on this TV station to talk about it, and she is a uh, one of the guests, and he is like right off the bat. Um, he, I took note. He 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 asks her why she's wearing a quote unquote simulating dress, and then he asks her out to dinner while they're on TV live, and this poor host is like, uh, what? Okay, like I'm trying to do a show here. But he gets asked, though, um, something interesting. You know, the host is like, okay, dude, like why are, why do you have a station devoted to this really uh, disturbing material? And he just goes, in order to survive, in order to survive, excuse me, we have to give them, the audience, the consumers, something they can't get anywhere else. Huh. So it's a little bit like... Okay, Max, I get that. Um, uh, I, I, I get it. You know, it's a valid point. I don't really know about torture porn and, and uh, you know, videos that like serial killers masturbate to is probably a good idea. But uh, to each his own, um, you know, whatever. We also like instantly, you know, uh, mask, Max uh, asks Nikki out and then we cut to them. They're at his place. You know that like they're going to have sex soon. And then Nikki basically uh, admits that she is a sadomasochist. She likes to get hurt 
and it feels good. He like literally, she shows him like her shoulder and there were all these scratches on her shoulder and then it cuts to them having sex and oh God, I can't believe I'm even saying this. I didn't make this movie, you guys. Okay. So like this isn't, I, no, I, I've made movies in the past, but nothing like this. They're having sex and he is like piercing her ears with this needle and it's a really interesting scene because he's doing it and is he into it? I mean, he's kind of just doing it for her, but she, on the other hand, is like biting her lip, like full, like, you know, oh yeah, like she loves it. Sadomasochism is a really big theme in this movie, by the way. And this is not, we're not talking Fifty Shades of Grey sadomasochism. We're talking like, uh, uh, like, you know have sex with me and like stab me, burn me, do all of that in this movie. So anyway, you need to know that Nikki is a radio host and she's got a lot of issues. She loves to get hurt. There's another scene where she literally uh, is in her sitting on his couch in the bra and she just burns uh, her cigarette on her breast with, with, uh, with her cigarette hand. I said that wrong. Yeah. She burns herself. So she's crazy. The, the plot of the movie, though, so the, the very beginning of the movie, which I totally skipped, uh, Max is handed uh, a tape by uh, the operator of Civic TV, and the tape is called Videodrome. And the tape, this footage, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a snuff movie. It was, uh, he, he's told that, it apparently, that apparently it was broadcast from Malaysia, and you watch this movie, and you're like, what is going on? It is... R- it's like a guy in this like old school like samurai outfit and he is like beating up this other woman but the woman you can't really tell if she's yelling in pain or in pleasure. It's very weird. Um and they are eventually murdered uh on screen and Max because he's Max and he's just like a lunatic is like this is great. This is going to sell really really well. Um, I I want to get this um uh you know on on civic tv he soon finds out that no it's not being broadcast from malaysia it's being broadcast out of pittsburgh okay so what's what's happening there uh so he gets a little bit um confused by this and he even reaches out to this woman named (laughs) i think her name is masha Masha, M-A-S-H-A. She's played by an actress named Lynn Gorman. And in this movie, she's a softcore pornographer. And he basically asks her, okay, what's the deal with this movie? Is this like stage? Like, is this real? Or are these just actors? Like, what is this? And she comes back very kind of disturbed, but at the same time, like a little bit turned on by it. And she tells him, no, Max, this is uh, real. These are real people. Yeah, these people are actually getting killed uh, what? (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, stuff starts to happen. Um, the more Max, you know, and this is where I know I mentioned this movie a million times and I'll try to not, uh, say it again, but it, it kind of like the movie has echoes of the ring. You know, it's almost like the more Max watches this movie, the more he becomes cursed by it. Uh, and you know, Masha, I'm just going to call her that name. That's a weird name. Why not just Marsha? Uh, she tells him something very interesting. And I love this quote. She says, Videodrome, it has something that you don't have. It has a philosophy and that's what makes it dangerous. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. 
Max starts to have these weird hallucinations. He has a colleague named Bridie who uh, comes to his apartment and he just slaps her in the face. And then Bridie turns into uh, Nikki. And then Bridie's like, huh, what's going on? And you realize, what? I just hit you. And Bridie goes, no, you didn't. Um, okay, so that's weird. And the imagery, uh, the hallucinations get a little weirder. Uh, there's a moment where Max is holding on to Videodrome, the tape, and it starts to breathe. You remember VHS tapes? I hated VHS tapes so much, except for Jumanji, because I used to love the trailers before the movie. I remember them in order. Matilda, uh, Alaska, I never saw the movie. Oh, the movie with uh, Anna Paquin and Jeff Daniels and the geese where they fly. Uh, I forget that name, name of the movie. But, you know, the VHS tape, it had the white, like, circles and and uh, whatever. Yeah, and it, you know, um, this tape, Videodrome, it begins to breathe and it begins to, like, 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 moan in a weird way. It's like, huh. <laughs> it's bizarre. You see, Cronenberg, too, I just have to... Uh, uh, interject a little bit. I mean, the imagery, he, he's a master of imagery in this movie. In what movie, there's also, this is all practical effects too. That's the most amazing thing about this movie. It's not fake special CGI or anything. I don't know how they did it, but that videotape, you know, when it, when it talks, it is, when it moves and it breathes, it it, it is so bizarre. And, and I think what works is that kind of like Max, you also become a little bit, not turned on, but intrigued by Videodrome. I think that's what the power of this movie is, you know? And it gets crazier. I mean, it really, really does. There's also just, you know, things just don't make sense. Why is there a poster in Max's apartment of Hitler smiling and wearing a tutu with a swastika in the middle? And also his legs, he's got like robot legs. It's just like, was that picture there before or did Max like put it on? Like, what is this tape? What is it? What what is it doing to him? You know, you you don't. Yeah. So, okay. Are you weirded out already? Good, because it only gets crazier. So Max goes and investigates what the hell's going on some more. And there is a, he, he finds out that there's a guy, get this, this guy's name is Brian Oblivion. O-Oblivion. Yeah. Oblivion. Huh. Metaphor? We shall find out. Uh, Brian Oblivion is a media theorist. He, you know, is also, uh, in the beginning of the movie, he was, you know, in that, uh, he was being interviewed with, oh my God, why can't I think? Oh yeah, no. In the beginning of the movie, he was on TV with Max and, and Nikki talking about, you know, Max's television station. And he, uh, Max finds out that Brian knows a lot about Videodrome and he goes on this little investigation. He goes to a homeless shelter where there are all these uh, homeless people just watching television, like literally just watching them on a loop. It's like they're being hypnotized or something. Uh, Brian has a daughter and her name is Bianca, played by Sonia Smits. And uh, she tells him, you know, that she's kind of, she's actually like running this whole uh, initiative, if you want to call it that. And she believes that television is going to replace like everything in life. Like television is the future. 
Uh, and she also shows him, you know, a tape. This is where the movie just gets so, you, you can't tell if you're like Max, like if you're hallucinating or not as well. But, you know, she shows him a tape of Oblivion, her father saying that, yeah, television, you know, Videodrome, the purpose is to control the minds of everyone uh, in North America. So Max, by now, is a little bit, like, used to the hallucinations. There is a fascinating sequence where Max is back at home, and on his television, it's a close-up of Nikki, and Nikki is, like, being all seductive, and she's like, Max, come here, like, kiss me. Max's whole TV starts to, like, breathe and exhale, and I don't know how they do it. But the screen starts to kind of come out like a like a like a balloon almost. And Max is so like seduced by this that he crawls to that's such a good scene. He like crawls to the TV and he literally sticks his head inside the TV inside Nikki's mouth. I mean, dude. I love that scene so much because that is imaginative imagination what does uh willy wonka say and you live in a world of pure imagination yeah like who thinks up of that who thinks up of that i mean did cronenberg dream that i mean it's the way that cronenberg i mean uses sexuality and and horror and just these crazy practical effects is is absolutely incredible yeah, I'm still like, sorry, I'm like pausing for a sec. I'm thinking about that scene again. So Max goes back to Bianca and is like, what's going on? And he finds out that uh, Videodrome has like a signal that causes whoever watches it to have a brain tumor. Uh, okay, that's horrible. So what, what, what does that mean? Oblivion, her father you know, that wasn't what he wanted it to be. He wanted um, the whole purpose of a Videodrome to be about the hallucinations. You know, he wanted the hallucinations to, I don't know how I'm saying this, if I'm saying this correctly, but he basically wanted the hallucinations to change the future of society. He, he, he believed that the hallucinations were a good thing. How? I don't know, but everyone's messed up in this movie, so it doesn't even matter at this point. But, um, Oblivion, though, when he found out what the real intentions were behind Videodrome, uh, he was basically killed by his partners. And the the next scene, I mean, this this is just crazy, and this is like a huge thing in the movie. Max is back at home, uh, shirtless, and he has a hallucination where there is basically like a slit inside his stomach kind of like a butthole like like a butthole yeah or the i won't say it the v word yeah and max is like oh oh god i'm hallucinating what do i do and then what he does is he sticks a gun inside his stomach a gun a gun yeah i mean this is this is real this is all real Oh my God. He, he, he also, you know, things get even, how many times have I said in this episode, things get crazier? Yeah. Things get really crazy. 
Um, Max is uh, contacted by this guy named Barry Convex. Convex of uh, he works for this place. Get this. It's called the Spectacular Optical Corporation. And Barry, uh, he's played by Leslie Carlson. He is the producer of Videodrome, and he basically tells Max, you know, I want you to put on this mask and you're going to hallucinate. And we get this other fascinating moment where Max is in Videodrome, like he hallucinates that he's in the movie. And there's, it's such a good shot. He is like whipping someone and you think it's Nikki and, but like you can't see her. And then the camera pans back and it turns out that he's whipping a TV, the back of a TV. And in the front of the TV is a screen and it's Nikki getting whipped in the TV, but it's not real, you know? And Nikki, because she's a sadomasochist, she's like being turned on. Cut to the next scene. Max wakes up and in bed is Masha's corpse. She died. He freaks out. He goes, I don't know if I'm dreaming or not. I need help. He calls uh, Harlan again. Did I talk about Harlan? Harlan um, just works for, uh, wait, what is Harlan's exact? Oh, no, I did talk about Harlan. Sorry. No, Harlan is the operator. He is um, the one who introduced uh, Max to Videodrome. So, you know, Max comes over. Sorry, I have an itch in my ear. Uh, No, uh. Harlan comes over. Sorry. You know when you get an itch and it just like I hate itches. Itches, I wish I wish itches did not exist. Harlan comes over and is like, no, there's no body there. I don't know what you're talking about. Um and then, I mean, big spoiler, Harlan basically tells Max that he's been working with uh Barry Convex this whole time. And together, they've been using Videodrome to quote-unquote end North America's cultural decay by giving fatal brain tumors to anyone who is obsessed with sex and violence. So anyone who is into Videodrome, like, that's kind of why they want people to see it, so that they'll die. And then, another trippy moment, Convex you know, uh, uh, Max is the slit butthole, whatever, and his stomach opens up and Max is like, oh no. And Convex inserts this, uh, tape, a, a beta, beta Max tape. It's not like a usual VHS tape, but he does that. Max wakes up. He doesn't remember really what happened, but he's, he's being told, um, to murder his colleagues at Civic TV. So he does that. He shoots and kills two of them, and then he manages to get out, which is kind of a weird sequence. He hides the gun, and then, you know, Bridie's like, are you okay? And he's like, oh, yeah, I just, I gotta go. It's like, uh, what, huh? How did that happen? Um, he also, you know, goes to murder Bianca, and she shows him a videotape of Nikki uh, being murdered on the Videodrome set. And then what he, what she does next is she quote unquote reprograms Max. So all of the, you know, brainwashing that Convex told him to do, she changes that and she says, um, you know, okay, I want you to go and kill Harlan and Convex. So Max by now is accused of murder. You know, his colleagues eventually figured out that he killed two of his employees. So he's, you know, on the run right now with a hole in his stomach and a gun or whatever in his stomach. And this is, you know, <clears throat> he, he he also like, 
I forgot to say too, but you know, like when he takes the gun out of his stomach, it's like his hand turns into like a, like an alien hand, you know, it's like Mac, it's just another example of Cronenberg's incredible imaginative mind. You know, his hand is like part of a gun and a tape. If a gun and a tape had sex and produced a baby, that's what it would look like. I can't even describe it. He goes though, he, um, sees convex, uh, you know, he's giving this big, presentation and he goes and he uh well he kills harlan um first and then he kills convex and convex if you have a weak stomach don't watch that scene but yeah he kills convex and then convex's whole body starts to like you know explode and he's like oh and like blood is shooting out of him it's like a, you know, anyone who loves horror movies and practical effects, it's like a wet dream. You know, it's just, um, ew. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. I meant, you know, it's like a, it's like a, um, it's a good moment. It's a good moment if you love horror movies. So Max, you know, he does that and you don't know where the whole movie, I mean, this whole movie, you don't know what the heck is going to happen next, but he, you know, ends up on this boat in, uh, the port lands, I think is what they were. Yeah, it's in Toronto. I haven't been to Toronto in a long time. I'd love to go back, though. Toronto Film Festival, totally on my bucket list. He ends up on this uh, boat, and there's no one around. And um, Nikki, there's a TV nearby, and Nikki appears on television. And she tells him that, you know, he's weak in Videodrome, but in order to defeat it, he needs to leave the old flesh, quote-unquote. To go to the next level. And then in the video, you know, on the TV, Max shoots himself and says, you know, before doing that, he says, long live the new flesh. And when he shoots himself in the TV, the TV explodes. And then in real life, Max does the exact same thing, like verbatim, long live the new flesh. And then, my friends, he shoots himself. And then the movie ends and there's music and everyone comes out and they sing um, Les Miserables. No, 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 no. Wow. Wow. Am I right? Wow. I mean, what does it all mean? You know, I mean, look, the obvious thing to remember in this movie is that, yes, Videodrome is a movie about... It's like a curse, you know, it's, 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 it has that formula, that horror formula of, oh my God, you watch this thing and now you're cursed and you're going to hallucinate and you're going to lose your mind and you're going to turn into a murderer. You know, there's, there's a lot of that, but you know, again, Cronenberg taps into the political, uh, economic, nah, not economic, but you know, the, uh, societal, uh, way of life, I guess, you know, he, he's, he's trying to make a statement about this. I mean, the, the baddies in this, they want the bad people in life to basically die by seeing this movie because they feel like everyone's just become too sex. Everything's become too sexualized and everyone's having too much sex and there's too much violence going on. So is it a good thing or, you know, is it a bad thing? Uh, it, it's, it's, it, it gets you thinking. Yeah. And again, look, this is a movie, like I'm still thinking about it. I really, really am. It's, uh, I found this great article by, uh, this, uh, by an, a critic called Walter Chaw, 
C-H-A-W, I'll put this in the show notes, on from uh, RogerEber.com. It's a huge article all about, yeah, what does it all mean? And and he says a lot of interesting things in this uh, piece. You know, he says, you know, the movie surgically lays bare the state of our current parasocial media landscape. I think, you know, that that's a big thing. That's why this movie, all these years later, is making such a comeback. Because, I mean, look at us right now. Guys, we're glued, not just to the TV, but we're glued to our phones, we're glued to everything. Look at me right now. I'm staring at my computer screen, talking into a friggin' microphone with no one around. We're at, we're addicted to this. And I think Videodrome, I think that's why it was so ahead of its time. I mean, look, I'm not into crazy, dark, violent, BDSM murder crap like in the movie. No, hard to believe, I know. But no, I'm not. But a lot of people are. And I think Videodrome works in that it really does make you think of, wow, what would it be like if, you know, everything was just a little bit more PG and, and there were less people like Nikki in the world, like having sex while getting hurt. And, and you know, it's it's there's a lot of that. I mean, this also really paved the way for. Um, well, no, it didn't really pave the way. I, I didn't say that right. Torture porn is has is still a thing in horror movies. I don't like torture porn. Torture porn is a term where basically it's a horror movie where you watch people get strapped down and they are viciously and slowly murdered. The Saw movies, the Hostel movies. Uh, oh, I'm thinking about a scene from Hostel that I cannot, I'm not never, ever, 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 ever seeing that movie again. Um, I'm not into those movies, but you know, like this, I think Videodrome is a movie, it's not a torture porn movie, it's about people who love torture porn, people who like movies like Videodrome, you know, people who love these snuff movies. Are we going in the right direction or the bad direction? Because Videodrome, you know, is really like a cancer. It's what it does. It literally is, you know, going back to the Guillermo del Toro quote at the beginning of this episode, it's about how this disgusting video literally decays your body. Max becomes decayed in this movie. He doesn't just hallucinate and get violent. No, his body decays. A friggin' hole opens up in his stomach. Like, you know, when Convex dies, he decays. His whole body is, like, like I said, blows up. You know, it's... It's crazy. It's crazy. This I could talk about this movie forever. Um, you know, I love this other qu- quote. Uh, and, you know, uh, this author, Walter Chaw, he basically says, you know, the movie is about how pornography is a progressive addiction, not in the sense of a social progress, but in the way of a, in the way a cancer progresses through a body hungrier and stranger, deadlier, too, as time goes on. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's a really, really good movie. Um, I recommend this all the way. Uh, like I said, though, yes, I, I just want you to brace yourself for it. And you may not get it the first time you see it. But it is so unbelievably creative and weird and out there and seductive and 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 sexy in a very disturbing way. There's imagery in this movie that, you know, you have not seen anywhere else ever, ever. When will you ever see a movie where a videotape breathes? When when will you ever see a movie where an actor, a character sticks his head through a TV, through a woman's lips, you know? 
It's insane. It's insane. And you know what? I just want to, right now, I want to go and watch other Cronenberg movies to really try and interpret what he's trying to say about society and societal decay and all that jazz. Yeah. Great movie, you guys. Videodrome is unlike anything that you'll ever see. It is one of a kind, I think. I'm so happy that I made it on this list. Uh, I think visually it's great. I think, you know, just the writing itself is phenomenal. Movies work when you don't get them right away. They do. Now, I know that drives people crazy. That's why movies don't do well sometimes when they first come out. Because they're like, well, I didn't get it. What was it all meant to be? You know, boo. And then it takes a while for people to really get, understand it and comprehend what's going on and what the director and the writer and everyone is trying to say. Videodrome is like a prime example of that, and it's so good. So this movie, where is it available to watch? I forgot to take notes on that, so let me just quickly Google Videodrome. How did I forget where I watched this? I think I rented this. It was a while ago. Okay, unfortunately, it's nowhere for free, but you can rent it for as little as $3.99, and I highly recommend it. I really, really do. And the next movie is also like a kind of horror movie uh, that I'm so excited to review because I've also never seen it. And it's also made a huge comeback. So this is a very exciting day for me. I'm going to try and watch it right now. Yes. After my tea, though, I need a cup of tea. I need a cup of tea, mate. Is My Fair Lady on this? Oh, man. I could totally rewatch that. You know, My Fair Lady, I would only watch like the first 30 minutes. And then when she had a good accent and a proper accent, that's when I would stop watching it because I didn't find it funny anymore. Yeah. My best friend from college, if he's listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We quote that movie a lot. The marble scene. I'm not going to do it, though. I'm going to break the mic if I do it. Anyway, guys, this has been fun. Videodrome, check it out. Uh, please rate, and, uh, rate, review, tell me how I'm doing. Look, I'm new to all of this. I'm doing this solo. If I don't shut up, if you want me to try and keep these smaller, uh, smaller in duration, you know, please let me know. Um, and I probably won't listen to you, but I appreciate the feedback. So, um, wishing you all a great day. You can get, I'm reviewing here wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, not just Apple, not just Spotify, but anywhere. Tell everyone about it, please. I got a lot more movies and I am ready and I am so, I can't think of, I was going to say pumped, but pumped, I hate using that word because it makes me think of pumped up kicks and that's a great song, but I'm just sick to death of that song. Anyway, adios everybody. Have a good rest of the day. Bye-bye.